Yes, thank you. Thank you. Things are going well. Yeah, I got two people um, call me. One guy doesn't like my talks with Fake Nukes Phil. His name is Brian Grossman. He says that's what his name is. Uh-huh. He doesn't like Fake Nukes Phil. And he doesn't like me for associating with him. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Some people just can't get along. And I said, well, why don't you uh, call in on Wednesday when Fake Nukes Phil is here and you can tell him all about it. And then there's another guy who says he says uh, he doesn't like fake nukes Phil and I talking either, and he says I'm a phony baloney, and because if I was real, CSIS would be outside my door harassing me. <laughs> so what does this have in common? Fake nukes Phil. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. You'd, you'd think that uh, John Robinson would get a little bit of uh, love, but no, nobody <laughs> cares about the Zundelcast with John yeah. Robinson at all. That's it. There you go. You're not interesting or relevant or any of the above, but I like talking to you, so we're just going to keep it going. <laughs> well, he thinks that CSIS is going to be on your doorstep. If you were real, then he doesn't know much about CSIS. <laughs> Well, yeah, you. I'd like to talk to you about that because you probably are way smarter about these things than even I am because I have no experience. Well, the only experience I've ever had with CSIS, and I personally have never had any, mm -hmm. is uh, one of the uh, a supporter of ours used to uh, hold our meetings and things in Kitchener because he had a audio visual store. Okay video store and stuff and so we we used his store to do that and one day Cesar came to visit him about that okay and they came in they sat down we, we could we talk to you he said yeah sure come on in so they came on and blah blah, blah. and he said but we're not going to talk unless you agree to have a video camera on so i can record what's going on mm. and they said yeah that's fine so they did i think changed their mind a little later on but at first, one of his first questions was, so uh, to them, he said, okay, so what is CSIS? <laughs> and these are two young people, right? They're like maybe around 30, late 20s, 30, a male and a female. And the male answers, oh, we are Canada's political police. Got that on tape. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a revelation. Yeah. And then after they were talking for a while, he had to get up and do something. And while he was gone, the two were sitting there, and they looked around, and he, the guy picked up his coat and hung it over the camera. So, like I said, maybe his second thoughts. Although <laughs> that doesn't do anything for the audio. But. Yeah. Were you were you actually the the videographer no, there? No, I wasn't there. He. No. Okay. Sorry. The, the fellow, his name was Michael. Michael just set up a camera on a tripod and let it run. So uh, I do have the video though. If you want, if I can find it, I'll put it in collab. I would love that. That's great. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. I was going to. Did you get around to watching those two videos we were talking no, about? No, I'm sorry. I did not. I did not. I've been so busy trying to get my audio server up. I I did not. So I I'm. Yeah, that's fine. I, I didn't do proper homework. I'm sorry, teacher. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the reason I asked. Yes. Was because in the uh, one called Adolf Hitler, artist, architect, and designer, yes. the shots in there 
of Hitler's artwork came from a book called uh, Hitler, the Unknown Artist. Okay, I did watch a bit of that, I have to admit. I did watch a bit of it. Which has, the book has all known uh, drawings and paintings and stuff of Hitler. This fellow from Texas went around and collected and and published his book. Anyway, the reason I'm saying this is because in collab, I found a PDF of that book. Adolf Hitler, the Unknown Artist? Yeah, so I put it in uh, collab in case you want to have a look at it one day. I'll look at it right. We're going to look at it on the air. One of the things, one of the problems I have is getting to getting to things. Mm-hmm. Well, me too, actually. <laughs> you should see the long list of emails I have that I haven't got a chance to view. Well, at least you respond to mine. I really appreciate that. Well, yes, I have preferences. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's very kind of you. Maybe that'll wear off over time, but in the meantime, <laughs> I... I appreciate it. Let's start the show now. Yeah, I enjoy your company. Ah, thank you. I enjoy you and your conversation, your knowledge, and I want to get as much of it on audio as the years go by because, you know, we're not getting any younger, let's be honest. Yep, that's for sure we aren't. Now look at this pretty girl. Yeah, I like pretty girls. Sorry. I think you'll like this. Voice, great look. Uh, nice song. What's not to like? Well, it's going to start us off on a good mood. Wow, that's Namika. I never heard of the woman. I guess she's German. I have no idea. But this is the fakeologist show. We're starting off with a little different. <laughs> do you know? Do you know who that is? Namika. Nope. Damn. Well, I think we're gonna have to get to know her now. We're gonna have to check her out. <laughs> exactly. So this is the fakeologist show. It is Sunday, February the twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. Not the usual start off because. I don't know much about Germany, even though I have German ancestry in me, for sure. And uh, I, I can't say I've even been there, so I don't know much about it. So this is part of my German education. And uh, that is apparently the German national anthem that um, I don't know when. That one's different from the one from the Hitler era, I believe. No, and, actually, it's the same one. She, just, uh, oh. she was just singing the last verse. Okay, see. Okay, that voice you hear is John Robinson. John Robinson is the former videographer for Ernst Zundel. Ernst Zundel. Ernst Zundel. I know I'm not saying it right. I know no one ever says it right, except maybe you do. But how do you say his name again? Zundel. 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 Right. Is that like tsunami? You know. Yeah. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. 
Because no one says tsunami right either. That's another one. <laughs> it's a tissa noise. And I met uh, John uh, maybe a month or two ago in the Toronto area, and we hit it off. And really all I was looking for is someone to explain and maybe uh, tell me about Ernst Zundel because I really wasn't paying attention in the 80s or 90s or 2000s. <laughs> Uh, specifically, so I thought, oh, this guy seems to be putting a lot of videos up, so he must know. And then we hit it off pretty good, and um, he was pretty much Ernst Zundel's right-hand man and the guy that got firebombed. So I figured, well, (laughs) you can't do much better than that. I didn't really ask for the right-hand man, but we got the right-hand man. (laughs) So I thought if John's interested, and he said he is, we'd just do some... uh, Deep dives into the vast video, video and audio and and book collection because Ernst Zundel was not just anybody's fool. He was not a he was not a neo Nazi skinhead that that is a white nationalist that wants everyone that's not an Aryan killed, and he doesn't worship at the feet of Adolf Hitler. None of that. He just wanted to defend the German people's position in World War Two because what we're told is completely bass-ackwards and wrong. What a surprise. Because on Fakeologist, we found just we find just about everything is upside-down world, and that's, and that's really uh, what we're all about. We're not trying to... Uh, we're not attacking anyone. We're just... Trying to set the record straight. And before it becomes illegal, and I don't even know if it is illegal, but certain things are becoming illegal in the Western world, including Canada, where I live. And I think that's a big problem, and you should too, because if one thing is uh, religious doctrine turned into being illegal, then there'll be another one and a one after that, and pretty ne- <laughs> before you know it, you won't be able to talk about anything. Yeah. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. Rome, hi. Thanks for uh, salutation. All right. And anyway, a friend of mine who's an American, Mm-hmm. He is called our country Kanukistan. Right, yeah. I've heard it all. So I thought to myself that was pretty imaginative. Well, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, we're one of the stands of the United, of, of the, the former Soviet Union for sure. Kanukistan, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that one. Yeah, hello Rome and hello everyone else. We're on FacoTube. That's our main platform. The only platform today that's giving me a hard time is the audio server so if it goes down and i notice i'll just put it back up and john and i will take phone calls at 810-666-1984 or in canada 902-400-1984 or on skype at fakeologist and that includes the people that uh, just today have told me a i'm a piece of crap and they don't like me and uh, one is on twitter and one called me directly so thanks a lot i don't know why you'd listen to anyone you don't like that's kind of. I guess that's a hate listen. I do. I. I have, I have to admit, I do hate listen some people, but uh, that's because they're talented broadcasters. So just because they don't say anything I agree with, I do like to look for broadcast tips because that's sort of my other thing. So anyway, John said he'd come back uh, every now and then on the regular and would just talk about his favorite videos because that will fill up an hour in no time. And John has an amazing archive. And you can see it on BitChute, or you can synchronize with his computer 
directly. We have two links at fake11.com forward slash Zundel and fake11.com forward slash Zundel 2. Two different directories. And how many gigabytes are those up to? Uh, 72, I think. Yeah. And I just got a message from my um, my file server that's only four terabytes. No, it's eight terabytes that it got full. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I had a program that went nuts and started filling it up. But I thought, well, maybe John just added a two terabytes or something, and that's filled up my server. So, you know, I'm already looking at uh, going to twelve terabytes because um, the videos are huge, obviously. So, um, terabytes yes, are pretty cheap. Yeah, more terabytes the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm using, in celebration of um, international communism, I'm using Yandex today, the Rus- so-called Russian browser. It's probably, it's, prob- it's probably a British browser because I think all Russia stuff comes out of Britain. That's my, I think international communism was started in Britain for some reason. What do you think, John? Yeah, actually I heard that was uh, the first place when I think, Karl Marx got persona non grata in uh, in Russia yeah. because, you know, they did try a revolution in 1905. Mm-hmm. That was the first attempt. And where did he go? But Britain. And they right. welcomed him with open arms. So I think you might have a point there. Yeah, they, they seem to know how to control the world. I think that's where the world uh, control comes out of personally. And uh, Steve83 and FacoTube said, what? No migrant German anthem? Bigots and racists. Yeah, that's funny. Compliments will get you nowhere. So you say the German the German anthem never changed? No, actually, it was uh, mm-hmm. what they call the National Socialist Anthem actually started before Hitler came to power. Wow. Not that long before, but before. The original German National Anthem was called uh, Heil Dia... In Sieger Kranz, basically it was about the Kaiser. Mm. And the tune was the same as God Saved the Queen. Really? So do you think they got that from Britain too? Well, they were related. Mm -hmm. The Kaiser and whoever was running Britain. So they were related. They were cousins or something. So, yeah, I imagine he probably got it from Britain, I would imagine. Right. Well, that was for a while. And then after the First World War, I think that one went away, and then they started the other one. That's very interesting. Kaiser means king, I learned, in German. Yeah, basically a Germanization of Caesar. Okay. But generally accepted as king, yes. Okay, so what I'm looking at now is the book you described, Adolf Hitler, The Unknown Artist. And somebody grabbed this from the San Rafael Public Library. Or library, which I believe is in California. Yes. And uh, as I understand it, it was removed from their library. And whoever got it has uh, been kind enough to uh, make a PDF out of it and put it online. And it's, it's quite an interesting book. And you said that Ernst did an audio on this. And it's in the video. Or he did a video on this. I want to bring that up too. This is sort of where we're going to uh, help me. What's it called? And it's under 
Yeah, what, what what's the video called? You know. Well, it's, it's uh, I think it's 1983. It's under the date, and it's called Adolf Hitler, artist, architect, and designer. Okay, so that's going to be under the the main uh, Zundel list, video list. Yeah, I guess if you start with 1983, you'll get very close very fast. Okay. I'm just now, looking. that video talks about a lot about about uh, Hitler as a creative person. So, therefore, this uh, art book, the arts, the paintings, all that in it is part of the video. It's not the whole video. It's a two-hour video. I had okay. fun making that one. That was in the early days when I really didn't know anything about video. Okay, this but is... Yeah, I think I found this in... Okay, I see it now, 1983. Okay, I think I got it here. See, it's actually 1982. Years, That's what you threw me off. 82? Okay. Over the years, as the equipment got better, we kind of fixed the... Uh, Fix that video a little and made it better quality audio and sound stuff over time. This is the kind of stuff you're going to get if you... Can you hear the audio okay? Yeah. Oh, don't, I, yeah, I didn't see the picture at first, but yeah, the audio is good. Okay, good. So if you uh, grab these um, these files through the uh, syncing program, you're going to be able to pull all this up. Now, one thing that um, somebody brought up in one of our audio chats, we did about 14 hours of talking this weekend. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's audio chats for you where we get about four or five people on the call and they just start talking. And somebody brought up the idea, I think it was on the podcast, maybe Fake Nukes Phil said, I don't know. I talked to too many people. <laughs> Uh, he was saying that Hitler was just a private in the First World War. Uh, corporal, actually. Corporal. Is mm -hmm. that above private? By one? By or, one. Right. Depending and, on what army you're in. And then he, run, he ran for the National Socialists, which was, would that have been on the left or the right of the Christian Democrats in Germany? See, he started in politics mm -hmm. when he finally decided he was going to get into politics he thought to himself well what does it take to start a political party so he went through all the rules and regulations and he said heck with that <laughs> that's a lot he said so what i'm going to do is i'm going to find some little political party mm -hmm. and i'm going to join it so right. he found this little party called the german workers party okay and it had six members oh okay he said this is perfect you know, I don't have a lot of people that I need to change over to my view, et cetera, et cetera. And so he joined that as number seven. And because of his talent and his speaking abilities and his drive, I mean, I think within a month he became leader of the party. And away he went, you know, he took it along. And after he started getting uh, known and getting people started uh, supporting him and you know, saying hooray for you. He's decided because of the communists and stuff, he decided to change the name of the party to the National Socialist German Workers Party mm -hmm. as a much, you know, more encompassing term for everything. He had to use, you have to use terms for your enemies 
as an example, as an example, this, I'm jumping forward a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. After uh, he became well known after his uh, failed attempt at the uh, coup in Munich, and he went to prison and all that. When he came out, he said, "Okay, fine, we're going to do things differently, legal, perfectly legally, and so on." And so eventually, they got Bavaria, and all the southern Germans were basically behind him. But he said, "Well, guess what? We have to do. I mean, in order to get somewhere, we have to go to Berlin because Berlin's the capital. <laughs> you know, we're not going to get anywhere without Berlin." Mm-hmm. And so they they looked over Berlin, and Berlin had the largest communist party in the country. Right? They had, a, I think, it was a quarter of a million card-carrying communists in Berlin. Mm-hmm. So we looked around. And he said, "Okay." Who wants to be, you know, who wants to volunteer to be the spearhead to go to Berlin and fight fight this uh, fight? And so guess who volunteered? Joseph Goebbels. He said, I'll go. So he said, fine. You're a good man. You know what you're doing. Go for it. So he goes to Berlin, he goes to Berlin by himself, and he looks around, and he finds about 30 National Socialists. <laughs> around the streets, stuff like that. So he gets them all together, said, okay, this is our group. Here's this where we're going to start. So 30 versus a quarter of a million and the 31. And that's really saying something to me. Yep. So yeah, he won. He uh, destroyed basically the communist influence in Berlin and uh, brought it all around to uh, National Socialism. Mm -hmm. So that... uh, he actually wrote a book about that as well. Hitler did? Uh, no, Goebbels did. He Goebbels did. About, yeah, about, and he called it The Battle of Berlin. And uh, I have a copy of the original book that was published back in the day in that old German script that's hard to read. But, yeah, he, he's actually a very fascinating guy. No matter what, of course, the regular mainstream media says about uh, Joseph Goebbels, he was absolutely tack-sharp. He knew his stuff. Is he the guy? He was, he became the minister of propaganda. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. The, uh, his yeah. Uh, department was called the uh, the Ministry of of uh, People's Enlightenment and Propaganda. Publicly, he said that. Right. That's what it was said. Because we have to kind of understand what propaganda the word propaganda meant at that time mm-hmm. right? it doesn't mean then what it means now right? so basically what it means is that uh, what you are doing is propagating your idea right. and so the material that you use is your propaganda propaganda back then can kind of be equalized to advertising in today's commercial world Mm-hmm. Right. Well, for sure. I don't need to crap on my opposition on my, my, you know, the other guy's cars are bad. My cars are good. No. I just put forward my car or my product in the best possible light. Mm-hmm. At least maybe some of the bad stuff. You know, kind of do it that way. But that's basically how propaganda worked at that time. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, nobody has a problem, you know, lying and distorting and calling names and doing all kinds of stuff, right? But back in those days, things were somewhat different, and that was really what propaganda was really all about. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a negative thing. Now it's considered just what the yeah. evil input. I guess the Soviets gave it the bad name. 
over the years, at least in North America, in North American eyes or Western eyes. Yeah, from the in the mainstream media eyes, yeah, that we got to do, yeah. But, but they blamed it on the Germans. They're the ones they figured. Oh, they blamed it on the Nazis, of course. Blame yeah. everything on them. You know? Yeah. It. It's bad. It, yeah. They did it, etc. Yeah. So they. Uh, so basically, when the the public saw people's enlightenment and propaganda, they saw nothing unusual in that. Mm-hmm. They said, "Okay, here we're going to get the goods." And for the most part, if you actually study history, and actually nowadays, if you look back at some of their films and stuff, and you study a lot of the new histories that have come out from different authors and so on, the latest, it shows that actually a lot of their films were actually factual. But they weren't actually lying to everybody. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's very interesting that way. And that's why the people followed the regime for so long, right to the bitter end that they didn't have a big uprising, etc., because they knew that he was telling it, and everything that they experienced from all the death and destruction visiting upon them, when they figured we were just defending ourselves. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when he said these guys are the uh, terrorists from the air, sure, the American British bombers come over and just lay waste to everybody and kill all the civilians, well, I guess they can see by experience that what was said by Goebbels and those people was true. It's obvious. Here's the experience. So therefore, when they say, if we lose this war, we're more or less going to get exterminated. Okay, well, we have to fight that then. I mean, he he brought out that book uh, by that American Jew. What's his name again? Anyway, the, name of the title of the book was Germany Must Perish. Right. 1941, before the United States was in the war. And that was only one of a few other books as well, talking about exterminating the Jews. And of course, Goebbels educated the people, look what's going on here, right? And so who are they? They say, yeah, okay, we're going to fight. And of course, that what a lot of people don't know, 1943, the uh, Hitler government put out feelers to have a negotiated peace. Right. Well, they didn't want war in the first place. No, and the Allies said no. Unconditional surrender. And, of course, here's all this about exterminating us, and you want unconditional surrender. Well, this ain't going to work very well, so we're going to fight on. And I think that's one of the reasons why they did it was because they knew they would fight on, and they'd have a good reason kill more Germans. Which was the so goal. They, they, yeah, they really ramped up the uh, bombing of cities and all that stuff. Realize in 1944, when the bombing of Germany and stuff was at its height, mm-hmm. more people died in 1944 than in all the previous war, war years put together. Amazing. Oh yeah, so they, they fought it up. I'm just going to put up on the screen here uh, a video. I thought you put it up, but no, this was put up by Gott mit uns, a bit shoot channel with 3,000 people subscribing. Oh, yeah. uh, Do you know that guy? I don't know him personally, but I know no. the channel. I know you don't know the guy, but I just, yeah, I meant he put up something on Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels. Did he? Oh, all right. And I, I started to watch it. And, um, 
Was Goebbels Jewish, perhaps? Not to my knowledge. Okay. His lies. Because quite a few of the German leadership's people were Jewish. Is that right, you think? I don't know about quite a few, but there were some, yes. There were some. Yep. Which, again, this is totally against what one would think based on the propaganda, anti-German propaganda. You figure, well, how the hell could someone be be Jewish and be in the National Socialist leadership? That doesn't make sense. I mean, the one person that we know for 100% was the uh, one of the Luftwaffe field marshals, Erhard Mill. He was Jewish. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a communist. Exactly. He wasn't a communist. That was the main problem. With, yes. That was, Anybody, yeah. if, they're, if you're promoting communism, if you're promoting homosexuality, if you're promoting pornography and doing all this stuff, then you went camping. Right. But if you weren't doing that kind of stuff, you were fine. There was an article in, I think it was the Toronto Star, maybe. Okay. Back in the 70s or the 80s. stuff, And it said, uh, the headline was, a letter from East Berlin. And some Jewish uh, fellow, some Jew from uh, Berlin at that time during the war, wrote a letter talking about his experiences. Mm-hmm. And what was his experience? His experience was that at the end of the war, see, now Berlin has been bombed into rubble, right? Right. For, for years. And then one of the biggest ba- battles ever in the Second World War was the Battle for Berlin. Mm-hmm. And, of course, bombs and bullets and stuff, they don't ask whether you're Jewish or not, right? Mm-hmm. So basically what happened at the end of the war, there was about 9,000 Jews still living in Berlin. After the dust settled and everything else, there were still 9,000 Jews living in Berlin. And during the war, they had had their own synagogue and they had their own, all these things going on. Just as long as they minded their own business, they were fine. As long as they were for the regime, basically. Yes. You you don't say anything. You're not a traitor. You don't say anything against the regime. Mm -hmm. And uh, there you are. It's like 1933 when they really started about the atrocity propaganda, about the Nazis doing all this stuff to the Jews over here. Right. Yeah. Toronto Star was really bad for that. Oh, the, the Spree River flowing through Berlin is covered with the bodies of dead Jews and all this kind of stuff. What year was that? The Toronto Star? 1933. There was a Toronto Star in, the, in 1933 or was it something? I think it was called the Star. Or something else, yeah. So it was the Globe and so One of the news... I, I right, was, okay. But anyway... I saw a copy of the uh, article mm-hmm. myself, and I thought, you know. And so, anyway, when their reporters were ejected from Germany, they said, oh, yeah, censorship, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't censorship. It was lies, <laughs> you know. We sen- Yeah, we yeah, censor no. lies. Yes. Just yeah. like I, you know, people say, oh, you're censoring on your website uh, certain talk. Yeah, I, I censor hate speech as in people that hate me. Hello. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. I censor people that are rude and ignorant and attack others. So censorship, meaningless censorship, I'm against that. But if there's a reason, now, of course, everyone could say they have a reason for censoring. But, yeah, that's my reason. And just like I don't get really all upset when YouTube censors my stuff because it's their site. 
you can come to my site. But I don't really complain when YouTube censors my stuff. Yeah, it sucks, but I'm not going to waste my time. That's why I got my own site. Now, now I know people don't find my stuff because my site doesn't have a trillion dollar budget, like <laughs> like like Google. Oh, I, I heard rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's based on my money and and donations. That's it. And if it doesn't, if you don't see a billboard on the highway to come come to FacoTube, well, now you know why. Uh, so all these rumors about you getting money from ceases is uh, just lies, is it? Or... Yeah. Well, you think. <laughs> I'm anyway, not, I don't have enough influence. I, yeah. I I think, yeah. Did you ever watch that Triumph of the Will movie? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Which one is that? that I, was, I've uh, heard of it. That was a documentary made. It came out in 1934, or 35, rather. But it was about the 1934 uh, National Socialist Party rally in uh, Nuremberg. Was that? Um... Lady Riefenstahl's. Yeah, she that's was the, the word. Producer, the director. Right. Yeah. Anyway, was she German or American? Pardon me. Was she German or American? Lenny, it's Lenny Riefenstahl. Riefenstahl, no, it's German. Yeah. Okay. She she was an actress before that, and she did all kinds of stuff. Is it on your site? I believe I have it up there someplace. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, what I'm getting at is that. Within the body of that movie, that documentary, it's got uh, little clips from uh, leading personalities in the Rife, what's going on, you know, like Goebbels and, you know, building the Autobahns and all these good things. And the one person they have on there for a second is uh, Otto Dietrich, who was the head of the German uh, press, press chief. Okay. Right. Anything that goes through the news and stuff, he's the, he's the man who uh, gives it the okay. And he says that the one uh, thing that we insist on for the foreign press is that you be truthful about what's going on here. Mm. So therefore, that's why they kicked the other ones out because they weren't basically what he's saying. We don't mind you coming here and doing, but you got to be honest, right? No propaganda, no hate, hate-filled stuff, no anti-German shit. That isn't true. Otherwise, you're gone. Makes sense. So, yeah, if you ever get a chance to have a <laughs> like, you ever get a ch- like yeah. you will ever get a chance to actually watch it. But. Well, I'm gonna try. I, I try and watch everything, but I have such a short attention span. I'm just I'm just gonna have to clear a week off and just <laughs> just do all this watching. Well, you could you could use a little relaxation for a week. I mean, you're always so busy. I'm gonna have to take a week off the show. I think that's all there is to it. It's it's too much. I will. I'll take a week off. I'm sure your family would appreciate that. Yeah, they probably would. Oh, maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. But I will watch that. So, um, uh, I'm just replying to the ticket here that my audio stream keeps going down. There's actually somebody in Poland where my server is that's actually there and awake. So I'm going to try and get them to figure out why my server keeps going down on the audio mm-hmm. section. FacoTube is running great. Let me just take a quick peek at FacoTube, and we're running that. We're, we're running all the videos tonight on uh, Yandex because I had to un- uninstall Google Chrome because that doesn't work. Oh, really? 
No. None of the videos played. YouTube didn't even play properly. It kept buffering. And I've heard others, so I just... Goodbye, Google Chrome. See ya. I don't need ya. There's other browsers, so I'm using Yandex. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. There's lots of other browsers, actually. They're, and they're just fine. And uh, just move your move your bookmarks around like I do. Just save your bookmarks in a file, and you can import them in any browser. And that's what I do. The Brave browser wasn't able to... I couldn't hear the audio on my guests. It's a very crazy bug. So I use Yandex for some of it, and I use the Brave browser for the other stuff. Uh, Steve says, um, 82 million views. This is a nice German 2. Two. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know that one? Oh, it's a soldier song, Erica. Oh, it's Buffy. Yeah, that's a very famous one, actually, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll play. We can play that on the way out. So thank you, Steve. It's buffering now. Just put that over there. So that's from Faco 2. And Steve83 says, took about six years to build up and get into power, I believe. You're talking about Hitler's National Socialism, I guess. Said stop. Okay. Actually, about 10 years it took. Socialist is to Marxism as Kleenex is to tissue. It's a shame they use that term. It's forever put a negative slant to the party, in my opinion. Interesting. Indeed. I agree. So socialism and Marxism are interchangeable? Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying that the communists were using the term socialism, and because they used it, it has tarnished that term, that word, Mm. because they're not actually the same thing. Well, that's what Americans think. Yes. Socialism is communist. No. Americans hate socialism, or they're trained to. Mm Mm-hmm. But yes. that's because they think it's the same as communism. Is that right? Where it is not. Yeah, they seem seem to think something like that. A lot of the people, of course, all the ones who go to university think that's a good thing. But the they, pub, general public, a lot of it, just uh, yes, they seem to be confused on that subject. Okay, I even saw an article, a uh, newscast once, mm-hmm. where they were interviewing one American guy. And he said, "Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah, national socialism—that's uh, the that is the same as communism." I thought, "Well, there you go. That's what they think, you know." And it's not their fault they think like that. This is what they get fed, right? The information and the views that they get fed in their mainstream media and and the entertainment media and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what you end up with. It's so, can you tell like me that. what what, in your opinion? Is the difference between national socialism and communism? What is the what are some of the finer points or the major points? All right, here's the major point. The the easily easy major point is that the communists want one world, the one world communist state. National socialism doesn't want that. Hitler always said the national socialism, the political ideal, is not for export. It's just something for us that works for us. So that's one of the first things. Right? Number two, the communist state, no private property. Right, mm-hmm. And you have to do and say everything that they tell you to do and say. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're in trouble. You know? 
big time. Like all those. And what they want is the, I guess what they called it was the new Soviet man, right? We're all going to be equal. We're all going to be the same, right? So therefore, in order for that to come about, number one, we have to destroy all minorities and all nationalities because they stand in the way of the new Soviet man. So therefore, number one, world domination, destroy all this stuff. So they're obviously aggressive and they will forever be aggressive until the world is theirs, right? Mm -hmm. Now they tried that in the Soviet Union, right? And it didn't work eh? for 80 years or whatever. They did whatever they could and it didn't quite work. And so it collapsed. But now you have that same frame of mind in the United States, right? We all got a race mix. We all got to be the same, right? You know, do away with the minorities, do away with this. They're basically under a different name. They're building the, trying to build the new Soviet man. Right? And everybody thinks, well, they, either they don't understand that, that it's all just a political thing, all this woke, wokeness, et cetera, mm-hmm. tell you what to say, what not to say. Under penalty of ruining your life, you know, and as in some cases, of course, you're going to go to jail. I mean, look what happened with the uh, Freedom Convoy, you know. All right. Well, I mean, it backfired on Trudeau eventually, but nonetheless, they brought down the heavy hand of we're not going to have this. Trudeau, the, the you know, the Chai Khan state. I I think communism is a good idea. As he said before, I really appreciate the uh, Chinese communists and so on. The efficiency of it, I think. So he's trying to bring that about in Canada. Right. Right. And so this, the, uh, but obviously it's not working for him (laughs) the way he thought it would, because our Supreme Court said that, no, 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 that's not right. And he could actually be in legal hot water for all that. Yeah, I doubt it. I have a slightly different take on the on the freedom the freedom convoy. I I personally think it was a success, and it did its job. It was very it was very well done. Yes. The the only negative thing that happened is I think, like any other party, they overstayed their welcome, blocking the streets of downtown Ottawa. So I really think everyone is making a big stink over nothing I think for the most part the party went on it went on for for a long time and and it was damn cold there I didn't go because it was minus 25 in Ottawa which is the second coldest capital in the entire world as I found out when I interviewed Frank Astana yeah there's a place called Astana in one of the stands I don't know Mm -hmm. which one it is I forget Kazakhstan and that is when they made that Masonic capital with all their Masonic buildings, that became the <laughs> coldest capital in the world, Astana. Mm-hmm. And I think mo- I had a great show with that guy because he's from Winnipeg that helped design or was, was consulting on the building of the buildings in that city because Winnipeg has a lot of Masonic buildings. And mm-hmm. I never heard of the – I never barely heard of the country. I definitely didn't hear of the, the city Astana. And I think right. most people don't have never heard of it either. So we were on a show a few years ago. We were just looking at the architecture and whatnot. But anyway, getting back to the point, 
I think the Freedom Convoy had run its course, and it really probably was time to go home, even though they wanted a meeting with True Dope for whatever reason. I don't think it would have got anywhere. And they were really just trying to clear the downtown streets because all the elites and whatnot that lived down there, they were really pushing True Dope hard to do something. And I don't think any police force was willing to do anything. <laughs> and so, so he brought in whoever, some of the goon squads, maybe from Quebec or far away reaches. Who knows where they came from? But I, I really think it was much ado about nothing. I don't think it was a really big deal to either end it. I just think it was overkill, but and and it was a public relations disaster for the dummy. That's it. I I, on, I I don't think it's that was that big of a deal. But so anyway, back to the uh, comparison right. of National Socialism. Yeah. And, so anyway, Hitler's view of of Germany uh, being dominant force in Europe was we're not trying to take down anybody else, right? We matter of fact, we want everybody to be their own nationalities mm-hmm. and promote nationality. And, you know, Belgians should be Belgians and Luxembourgers should be Luxembourgers and the French should be the French. Yeah. You know, not this, you know, destroy it all and mix it all up. And try Wait, so he didn't it. want one Aryan master race in Germany? The term master race is interesting. Well, that's what the propaganda states. Yes. Well, I've had the honor of interviewing and talking with a lot of people from back in those days, mm-hmm. some regular street people and some very high up. And I've read a lot of their publications of the time, newspapers, magazines, seen all their mainstream movies, I've seen documentaries, their news, the whole, and never once have I heard that phrase, master race. Interesting. Never. Let's give a quick summary. So you've been studying, have you been studying this topic, Germany, World War II, ever since you met Ernst Sundel, to the exclusion of most other things? Do you have other things that you spend time with, or does this take your spare time? Basically, what what I actually study, I mean, I studied this, of course, to understand it all because it spoke to me. But my other main study through this whole thing is propaganda right okay how, how does propaganda work how do they use it you know you know how does it you know how does it show up in movies how does it show up in tv shows how does it show up in commercials how does it show up wherever you know? so i spent a lot of decades on that as well right and how how it affects people etc cetera, etc cetera. so that was basically my other one but is it and, fair to say you've been studying this since you met her in sundle though yeah, you, it's been your main interest. You, for instance, you're not when you have spare time. Do you study other topics, or is this really more your? Is this your main idea? And you've been doing it for forty, maybe fifty years now. Yeah, getting close. <laughs> yeah, getting close to fifty years. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Because I've yeah. been doing what I'm doing for twelve years, and I didn't think I'd still be doing it, but it's still interesting to me because I don't stick to one topic. So I'm always fascinated by people like you that you really are very narrow focused on one or two topics that are very closely related. Just like Jim Rizzoli, I don't know how he can talk about the Holocaust day in and day out. It's just 
there's he does branch out lately, but I just I'm fascinated that you can just stay interested in anything, even if it was dog walking or dog grooming or breeding or whatever. It's just amazing how people can stay so focused. Just like Ern Thundle, how can a guy give up his entire life for one topic? It it blows my mind. Good. Well, I can answer that one. Go ahead. For sure. About 1989 or 1990, mm-hmm. stuff like that, he said that, I'm just so tired of the Holocaust topic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, you know, we, we have the Weiss report, we have all this information, all this revisionism. And for me, he's saying for him personally, the subject is closed. It's obvious what it is and what it wasn't. And I want to move on, you know, more political activity. He's interested in painting some more. He was interested in, in health, health food and, and diseases, things like that, because one of his, uh, closest friends was a homeopathic doctor, right? And so he's interested in all these things. And he only was dragged into that other subject mm-hmm. to the extent because he was charged, <laughs> right? So if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have uh, been in it so in depth for so long. But he was kind of forced into it. So all this, all the information that has come out since that time is the fault of the people who pushed him into it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise he would never have probably gone into that deep of research on everything. But do you think they but, kept him in that narrow subject because they knew they could beat him on the propaganda angle of it and really keep him from bringing up anything surrounding National Socialism and the true story of World War Two, what really happened, who really the bad, who the real bad guys were. Do you do you think there's a, a a there there? Do you think there's a a possibility that this was the red herring they wanted to keep him stuck on, so they could just tar him with this, with the turn him into a a Holocaust tar baby? Well, I think that the, they realized that he was having an effect on their racket. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't have that. You know, propaganda mostly works mm-hmm. when it is all pervasive, which means you can't have anybody else sticking your nose in there. And mm-hmm. he was sticking his nose in there. And so, therefore, he, they couldn't allow that to happen. And so they were using this legal tool in order to try to get him deported back to Germany. Because. Yeah. Over there, the laws are much stricter, and you wouldn't be able to say anything about anything without going to jail. Right, right, right. okay. So the whole thing was trying to get him into a place which is not quite as liberal as Canada was mm-hmm. at the time. Without, you know, so I think that's what it was to get him back over there, and eventually they succeeded. Right, it took a long, took a long, lot longer, I'm sure, than they had thought it was. Mm-hmm. But if you remember. Well, a friend of mine once said that I think he was uh, deported back there early 2000s. In any case, he went to jail for a long time, five or seven years or something who, over in Germany. Who, your friend? No, uh, Ernst did. Oh, Ernst, okay. And when he got out in, I think it was 2010, people went over there, of course, they said, hey, come on out, you're happy. If somebody... 
he got in the car and they were going to drive him off to a hotel or wherever it was. And they were, you know, talking to him with the camera. And a friend of mine said, boy, didn't that, don't you think all this stuff would, you know, he thought that the final going to jail in Germany had crushed Ernst. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, the people were talking to him in the, in the car as they're driving. And one person was uh, videotaping it. Oh, I saw that. Said, That's with the lady, uh, Bray Booth or the Michelle Renault. No. Yeah. Renouf. Yeah. Renouf. Okay. Yeah. And he said, you know, nothing that they've done to me has changed my mind about anything. And before I was their critic, now I'm their enemy. So obviously it didn't crush him. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to go off, but he's going to talk about the things he can talk about and the regular political stuff that he would like to talk about, about what the, about the Western world, basically about this uh, third world immigration, you know, migrants coming in by by the hundreds of thousands and all this stuff. Anyway, going through all that, this is what he was, what he carried on with until the end, because he couldn't talk about the other subject. But as he once said, he said, I don't have to talk about this subject. As soon as everybody, as soon as I walk into a room, everybody knows what my subject is. I don't have to say it. Mm-hmm. And he was quite true about that. And yes, the true uh, story about uh, about uh, Hitler and the National Socialists and stuff, that video that we made early, the first video on that subject, we, we called it National, Nazi Cinema. Right, okay. And basically it had, uh, it talked about the realities that uh, he, he found out about, about that uh, time frame, about what was going on at that time. Yeah, that's the one. There it is. And that, uh, that opening uh, graphic there, yes. he did that, but he, he made that by hand, being an artist. Right. Are you talking about the swastika or the yeah, the, wor- the, the lettering? Thing. Okay, the whole the whole thing. So this is before computers, obviously. This is what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. So this is... as a white piece of paper. That's what he ended up with, because he was an an art uh, designer and stuff. So. And that's how you had to do things. Now everyone's an artist with computers. Yep. Pretty well. <laughs> and now you don't even have to have a brain. You can just tell the computer to do it using. Yeah. Right. AI. Tell, tell your AI what you want. Isn't that something, huh? So even yeah. the computer experts are out of a job. Exactly. Pretty soon humans will be out of a job. Yeah. Because, uh, let's face it, the reality of, of the humans and probably life in general, like mammals in general and stuff, is that we are made to move. We are made to do things. We're not made to sit around and do nothing. And you become healthy by going out and having physical exercise. Yeah, that's moving. Why go, that's why people go to the gym. That's why people jog. That's why people do all these things. Right? I walk. I'm not jogging. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> but, and then you have the same thing. You need uh, exercise for your immune brain. system. Oh, I thought you were going to say your brain. Well, we start with the immune system. So if you live in a sterile environment all the time and suddenly you go outside man are you going to get sick because your immune system hasn't had any exercise and it's not strong Mm. so all this little bit i mean i live in a clean place but i'm not gonna you know oh 10 second 
rule when I drop a piece of food on the floor. For me, it's a five-minute rule. Wow. Do I, have, do, I, do I have bubonic plague in my, my place? No, I don't. So therefore, it's not going to kill me. I'll pick it up. It's got a few germs on it. So what? It gives my, ex- gives my immune system something to do. It gives it exercise. Yeah. And then we'll get to, as you say, the brain. That also needs exercise. You got to think about things, analyze things, do things, which is one of the good things about our programs. Let people think. And if you don't do that, then you're going to go to mush. And if you get all these AI and everything else doing everything for you, you're done. Mm-hmm. People are history. <laughs> you know, if if you don't do what nature ha- has designed us to do, then you will fall by the wayside. That's all there is to it. You know, well, so, I like uh, uh, this is my mental exercise. I like to learn something every single day, and that's what I that's what we're doing. I learn one thing. I like to do one thing and learn one thing. And that's what I've yeah, done. Something all the time is good. Yeah, I've got I've read four thousand books if I've read if I've read one. And I've seen thousands of movies and all kinds of hours on T V and and I've I think you know, I'm pretty sharp when it comes to that, even at my age. You know? <laughs> so, I'm not a big but, reader but But to keep but to keep doing it, you know. That's uh don't let the AI do it for you. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, Nazi cinema thing was interesting because, uh, of course, Ernst did a lot of uh, political commentary in there. Mm-hmm. How long so, is it? Oh, an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah, he showed. Uh, yeah, that that clip there. That's from uh, a short film of uh, Hitler's fiftieth birthday in Berlin, where they had the biggest military parade in uh, German history that day for his, for his birthday. What well, year was, was that? In, that was 1939. He was 50 in 1939, okay. Yeah, it's in April. This is uh, not too long before uh, the war with Poland started. Just a quick, so, just some quick questions while I'm thinking about it. Do you think Hitler escaped? No. No, no. no. Do you, do you believe anyone was allowed to get out by the British in the high in the high ranking uh, party? What do you mean? What do you mean get out? Just anyone was anyone expedited out to to South America? Do you think any of the high command spirited no. out? No, no, no. Okay. No, there was no reason to spirit them out. They would prefer to have executed them all. Never mind that. Okay. So you don't believe those stories that Hitler lived on and somebody saw him? What about... No, here's here's why I think it. Okay. This is my reasoning for thinking what I think. And uh, number one, there are those people who were with Hitler to the end who said, yes, we were with him. He went in the next room. He committed suicide. Our job, we took his body out and Ava Hitler took their body out. We burned them, etc. So that tells me that that happened. Number two is you can say what you want about him, but one thing I think most people can agree on is that he was a man of his word. Mm-hmm. When he said that when we come, when we become the government of Germany, there will be no others. You know, all the other parties are gone. Okay. And he kept to his word. <laughs> and we are going to get the Jews out of positions of influence anywhere in the Reich. And he was as good as his word. 
And when the war with Poland started in his speech at the beginning of the campaign, Polish campaign, he said, I have now become, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. He said, I've become the first soldier of the German Reich. And I, you know, I put on, you know, this uniform once again. And I will lead us to victory or I will not live to see the end. Mm-hmm. And being a man of his word, when they say he committed suicide, I think he did because he was a man of his word. And he didn't want to be on trial in Nuremberg or anything else because he knew what, what all that would entail. So therefore, and for all the other people who have died in that war, I'm sure he felt that he should go with them. Do you know? And that's why I think he never went anywhere. Do you know who wit who witnessed that? Do you know who witnessed that, or who said they disposed of the bodies, or did they all kill themselves too? Was it just a cascade of suicide? No, no, the, the one guy who did, he he survived the war and everything. He said all this in uh, interviews afterwards. I think it was Otto Gunsha was one of them. He was uh, an aide to Hitler. Mm-hmm. I could go back and uh, check it out, but it was him and one or two other former aides and stuff. And and they also, I think they all survived the war and they all told, told this story. And I call her Ava Hitler because they did get married before they committed suicide. So. Wow. Do you, do you know the name Otto Scorzani? Yep. Who was he in this whole thing? He was, uh, was the head of, uh, he was an Austrian, by the way. Mm-hmm. Probably why Hitler and him got along. They're both Austrians. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was the head of of uh, of Hitler's commandos, right? All the uh, special forces and what have you. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, did he write a book? Po- did he write a book? Yes, he wrote a book. Okay, you can. Uh, well, I, matter of fact, I I have a copy of it on in PDF. If you want, I can put it in collab for you. That'd want. be fine. Yeah. So it says my my commando uh, operations by Otto Scorsini. Okay. Anyway, he was uh, what everybody knows the best, of course, is him uh, freeing Mussolini from the, his imprisonment up on top of that Grand Sasso mountain. And so he did. That was a, a real coup. Anyway, so, and he had plans actually to capture one of the British aircraft carriers. So he wanted to uh, take a bunch of guys and land them on the carrier with the gliders and stuff and just take over the character and bring it back to Germany. But the rest of everything else got so bad that they never had time to do things like that. But it was interesting that uh, Ernst met him. Oh, is that right? Yeah, back in the... 70s, I think it was, over in Spain. He was living in Spain. Wow. And so he got talking to him. And he asked him, so he said, so, Otto, he said, what are the chances, being who you are, and you still have contact to a lot of your former men, etc., what are the chances of breaking Rudolf Hess out of Spandau prison? Mm-hmm. And Scorsese said, yep, no problem. We thought this one over many times. The actual being able to do it, we can do it. 
but we're not going to do it. You say, well, why not? So I'll just think about it. Okay. Let's say we go in there. We go to, to Rudolf Hess. All right. We're ready to go. What makes us think that he'll want to go? Mm. Number one, he's doing his thing in there. He's used to being there for all those decades. Number one, what are we going to force him to go? Right. You can't ask him because nobody who talks to him, there's always guards standing right there and you're only allowed to say certain things to him. Right. Right. Otherwise. So therefore we don't know that. Number two, we take him out. Right. Guess what? We've stuck it, you know, our stick into the bee's nest and all these hornets are coming out and they're zooming out. Where are we going to take him? Where can we possibly take him where they won't find us shortly? I mean, he's an old man. He's in his, at the time we were thinking about it, I think he was like 80s, from 90, he's 80 years old or something like that. Right. Et cetera. And so with all these different things, where are we going to take him? How is he going to be safe? Will he be happy? Where is it at his age and so on and so forth? It's just not, we don't think it's worth it to do it. Although technically we could do it. So that's why. And then I don't know if you ever saw a movie called The Wild Geese. No. It's all about these, um, in the 60s, I guess it was, a bunch of mercenaries go to Africa to do all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Okay. They made up Wild Geese 2, and it was based on the concept of mercenaries going to break Rudolf Hess out of Spandau Prison. I forget how it all worked out. It's been a long time since I saw it. It wasn't as good as the first one. But yeah, it was a, uh, it was thought about. So, but it was never done. By the way, just for your information, mm-hmm. that one movie uh, video have up there tribute to Rudolf Hess. Yeah, is that from your? That yeah, that's from Ernst. Mm-hmm. Yes, but if it's not from my channel, then the then the quality is not as good. No, it's from Jim Rizzoli. Yeah, he's got the old version, and I fixed it up in the meantime. So it would look better on mine. And is that in the uh, the shared yeah, version? Yes, it should be in the uh, easy videos. Uh, okay, I will replace the link. This is from your channel. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Remastered by John Remastered. Robinson. Indeed. I will put I'm as we're talking I'm making show notes. Mhm. And uh we have five show notes. So if anyone wants to know or take a look at some of the things we're talking about, uh make sure you uh check the show notes. This is FAK 845. So that's pretty interesting. I have a lot of viewing to do. A lot of watching. So much to watch, so much interesting stuff. Uh, next question. So Otto Scorzani, he wrote a book. Did you read that book? I have not read it yet. Okay, so how many people did Ernst talk to that actually knew Hitler? Because that would be you just you don't you just don't hear anyone that actually knew or talked to Hitler that's once removed. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how many, but he talked to quite a few. That's interesting. He talked to, uh, I was actually walking past his, uh, 
where he's sitting doing his work back when he still had his business going. Mm -hmm. And he was, as I was walking past where he was working away, he was actually on the phone with Laney Riefenstahl. Oh, wow. Were others as fascinated with the whole history of Germany and Hitler as Ernst was that were German, do you think, or were... Yeah, up? there's a lot more than people think. Mm-hmm. He remembers back in the, his going around the world in the 70s. Yeah. So he, he was in, where was it? In Nuremberg. That's right. It was in Nuremberg. So he's walking down the streets, and in that triumph of the will, at the end, you have all these big marches going by, right? all the different formations going by Hitler and so on. And so he was looking around, and he's thinking, now, what was the route that they took? To march through these streets and stuff. So he went, he looked at, there's this elderly woman over there with gray hair and stuff. She, I bet you she knows something. So he walked over to her and asked her, excuse me, do you remember this time? And uh, could you point out the route? And the woman who was just kind of, you know, as soon as he asked a question, he said, man, she beamed. <laughs> Big smile on her face. She said, oh yeah, I remember. Here, I'll show you. <laughs> so she took him around. So, okay, they went here, they went there. So, yeah, a lot of people still remember, you know, the good times, etc. A lot more than some people think because the propaganda is, oh, yeah, it's all bad guys, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody was against Hitler and all this stuff. You know how those things go. Oh, but, yeah, uh, it's just off the yeah, charts. So. Ridiculous. Oh, another one, if you want talking about people going to uh, South America. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if you remember a novel and a movie called The Odessa File. Yeah, I've heard of it. That's supposed to be all these Nazi war criminals going to South America, etc. Well, it just so happened that Ernst met somebody who was involved with that organization that was getting Germans to go to South America. The real story, right? Okay. And there are a lot of Germans that went to South America, specifically Brazil, I think, as well. Argentina as well. Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay. Well, not Paraguay if you're smart. No? Why? What's wrong with Paraguay? Well, well, it's nearly as good a country as, say, Argentina is. Okay. You have a much higher standard of living going to Argentina. And as far as I know... There's more Germans living in Argentina than in Paraguay. Okay. Anyway, so I don't know if you could find this video. It's uh, still up. I haven't uh, remastered it yet. Okay. On your channel? It's uh, the name of the uh, person. She's a woman, mm-hmm. an American, actually, by the name of Carla Van Keltner. Carla with a K. Van Von Keltner. Von Keltner. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. KK? Nothing. Oh, okay. Where would it be? On on BitChute? Or? Yeah, it should be there. Um, I forget what number it is. I can maybe... I wonder if I can look it up somewhere. Maybe well, I hold can. on. Carla, it says with a C. Wait, no. No, K. It was with a K. Okay. Carla Von Keltner. Okay. So I, I'll do another type of search. Okay, let's see. So you think you have it in your 
Uh, I should have it somewhere. I'm going to have a quick look. Uh, let's see. It should be, if it's anywhere, it should be here. That's not it. Here we go. It should be here. Ta-da. Here we are. Oh, you found it. Where did you find yeah. it? It's uh, you can type in my on my BitChute channel there. A V O F two hundred two hundred and seventeen. Well, you can't really type it on your channel. Well, All right. Type it in BitChute. It's fine. It should come up. You got two of them. Part one of two and part. Oh, I see. Gulag operator. Grab one. Okay. There you go. Now, what's this yeah. about? Anyway, she's. Uh, like I said she was an American and she met a German guy. Mm-hmm. And he was somewhat older. To me, it reminds me of me and my, <laughs> me and my, uh, my second wife. Right. Anyway, so they. Uh, she was young. They got married. He had been doing things during the Third Reich, mm-hmm. etc. And he was now working with uh, the United States special, not special forces, but, you know, spies, CIA type stuff. And basically, so he introduced her to, to the people involved in this uh, so-called Odessa operation, mm-hmm. church people, etc., etc. And what it really was as I think she explained, I'm paraphrasing here, of course, that uh, nowadays, especially you hear a lot about it from the Americans and so on, that a lot of the soldiers that come back from from operations that the American military does, you know, Iraq, Iran, wherever, and they have all, they, some of them get all these um, mental issues uh-huh. that they have a heart, and you have all these, what do you call them? Uh, you know, people who will, uh, counselors and stuff like that to help them work their way through it. Yeah, so PTSD. On. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, all these young Germans who, like, say, were in, in the SS and so on and went through all this horrendous wartime battles and bloodletting and all this stuff, a lot of them also had these issues after the war was over mm-hmm. with no one to help them. And so they said, well, they have... There is this place, these places that have been set up over in South America that can help them and get them back to a normal life. And so they worked on getting these young men and whoever else, you know, through a system, blah, blah, blah. Actually, a lot of it, it seems, the Catholic Church helped a lot with getting these guys to South American stuff so that they could be re-entering into a regular normal life and be trained with some sort of a way to make a living and deal with all these issues that they had and what they saw and what, you know, what happened and so on. That's what it was really all about. It weren't war criminals and all the stuff. They were just trying to save these guys' lives. And so that after they've gone through all this, they could come back to Germany and be part of the community and help rebuild a country devastated by this uh, genocidal war. That's what it was really all about. And she said the only, she'd never said this to anybody else. But, you know, she heard about Ernst and she happened to be there. They got talking 
And the only reason she agreed to talk about it was because she had cancer and she didn't have long to live. She wanted to get it off her, off her, off her mind well, but, and into the history books. Yeah, finally explained to somebody. That's so and cool. Now, now she's not going to get any grief because she's going to die. You know, it's not going to come back on her. For That's that. so and cool. Tr- sure enough, within a month of the interview, she died. So, at least she died. Uh unloading the information that's so powerful yeah that's that's really what i like to do that's that's why i like to talk and record stuff because the truth is going to just be buried eventually well they try to yeah it just it just always is so that's why that's why i like doing these talks and talking to people that are Elderly, I don't want to say old, but elderly, and they have a lot of information, and I think it's I think it's really interesting. Well, we could just say these people that are mature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. This is really. Did you do this video, or was this? Were you a the? Were you interviewing Ernst, or were you the cameraman in this particular video? No, Ernst was there by himself. He he was off down the stage doing something. Oh, okay. I was holding the fort. Back in, back at what we call Sundal House. So he really embraced the the video and the audio after. So at first it was the newsletter, then he went right to the video because he, that was probably one of the most efficient ways to communicate. Well, actually, he went to audio first. Mm-hmm. He used to distribute thousands of audio cassettes everywhere, mm-hmm. and and he he told me a reason for this mm-hmm. once upon a time. The reason we're going to do audio, this is back before video, was that because look at the Ayatollah Khomeini. Okay. One of the ways that he got himself back to Iran and running the place was that while he was in exile in Paris, I think it was. Yeah, Paris. He, he used to do all these talks and make loads and thousands of copies of these audio tapes and send them to Iran. And that's how he gained a support base wow. in Iran. Okay. Was people listening to his voice and his thoughts. And so Ernst said, well, if it worked for him, it can work for me. You know? So therefore, he did that. He started doing a lot of audio stuff. And, of course, you probably listened to some of them. But, yeah, he did lots and lots and lots. And lots of them have not survived. Or if they have survived, I don't know where they happen to be. But... Uh, Oh, that's a good still frame. <laughs> yeah. So so you don't have all the audios then, is that what you're saying? Oh, no. Nowhere near all the audio. I personally have, what, 20 or 30? And he did about probably somewhere between four and 500 anyway. So somebody out there must have them. Jesus. So, so, okay, I'm that's... sure somebody has. He sent them to everybody. So I think a lot of people out there have a lot of this, but they just – either don't realize that I would like to be contacted or they don't know that I'm around or whatever the reasons are. Well, they might not know you at all. They probably have them, but they don't know, but they just keep them. Do you think you're the only surviving member of the the Zundel squad or or are there others that you you keep in contact with? Well, there's nobody I actually keep in contact with, but I'm sure there's a number. I'm sure unless there's some unnatural disaster happening i'm sure the uh our official photographer and audio man i'm sure he was he's still around because he was somewhat younger than myself so do you think he'd have the audio uh 
that would he had all the photographs so I got, I got loads and loads of photographs. <laughs> Lots. Did you, Lots did, you, did you digitize them? Yep. Oh, you For have? Most of, not not all of them yet. I'm still working on it. But okay. A lot of them I have, yes. But I'm just surprised you guys aren't collaborating in any in any memorable way. Well, see, before the, uh, before the final collapse, mm-hmm. he said, okay, I, I'm out of here. He says, I'm still young enough. I got to go. He ended up getting a a girlfriend and stuff. And he said, okay, I'm going to, looks like I can get a job at a, at a car plant. You know, good job, good pay and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, and he was kind of feeling guilty about it a bit, you know, kind of, you know, leading the sinking ship type of thing. But I said to him, no, no, good idea. Now's the time because definitely things are going to go poof and, there's no reason for you to wait around longer. There's nothing else you can actually do. So yes, by all means, get your get your life in gear. And uh, what year was that? Forward. When did when did you when were things about to go poof? What was the year? Well, the, when he decided it was time to, and I think that was somewhere around 2000. Okay. Like or a little little bit later, you know, 2000 2005, something like that. Was that after so he, he was released from uh, Toronto jail? Or before? Pardon me? Was that after Ernst was let out of jail or before? Oh, before. So Ernst was still in jail? Yeah, I think Ernst was still uh, in jail at the time, yep. But yeah, it was time for him to go. So he uh, moved up to another little town, Alliston. You've heard of Alliston? Yeah. I know I know. he moved up there and he got a job. I think there was a Honda plant. Honda plant, yeah. So he got to do up there. Sometimes the odd time I think to myself, maybe I should try to track him down. Yeah, of course. It'd be interesting. But, uh, I've been so busy, I just never got around to it. Well, he should track you down or somebody should track somebody down, you think? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Well, for a while I had a, an unlisted phone number. So it might have been harder for some people to track me down. Yeah, now there are no phone numbers listed. <laughs> Now phone numbers aren't listed anywhere, are they? Not that I'm aware of, anyway. No, it's not like the old days. The yeah. the other question I had was: Do you think Russia or China is more national socialist than than communist today? The way well, they're behaving. Personally, I think that Russia is leaning a little more towards capitalism mm-hmm. and democracy. And China, I think, is a little more national socialist as opposed to communist. I think that was back in the day. That was one, I think that was one of the reasons why why uh, Moscow and Peking parted company, right? Because they used to be on the, you know, the big communist bloc, mm-hmm. Asia and everything. And then they finally had this falling out. And I think it was because China just said, nah, we're not sure about this internationalism and all this stuff, right? It's, uh, you know, it doesn't really work for us. And the new Soviet man, we don't want to be mixed up and digested into some sort of featureless biped, you know? Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. we're Chinese. We like being Chinese and sorry, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I think they're a little more national national socialist, not really national socialist, but you know, they they kind of lean away more of national socialism as opposed to international socialism Mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's why they had the parting of the way. Like all these people, Kudenhove Kalergi and all these other people think that, oh, yes, we'll all mix together and be this nice coffee colored group of people on the planet. It'll be utopia, mm-hmm. etc. Well, guess what? Guess who's not going to go for that? A billion Chinese are going to say you're all nuts. A billion Indians from the Indian subcontinent are going to say you're all nuts. We're not doing there. Yeah, there's a and, lot. There's a lot of the world. The BRICS. The BRICS is the the opposing force at the moment. It seems to clown world. Yeah. So uh, there's all these people that, if anybody seems to be initially going in that direction, it was us white folks. And guess what would happen? We'd all mix in. We would kind of disappear, and it still wouldn't change anything because the Chinese aren't doing that, and the Indians aren't doing it, and if possible, the Jews don't want to do that, right? The Israelis and stuff. So, therefore, it's just what it boils down to is basically war against Whitey to try to find a way to exterminate us without seeming to want to exterminate us. So, I look at all the uh, evidence at my disposal, and that's the conclusion I come to. So, yeah, I. It's it's been going on a long time, and I, I don't even know what being whitey means. Is that a, a religion, or is a skin color, or because there's a lot of white people of different religions and persuasions? So I, oh yeah, sure they are. I think they just don't want. I think internationalists. The whole idea is they don't want any one country becoming strong, and the only way people can become strong is if they have a coherent similarity amongst themselves similar purpose similar goals and because well the united states is uh, strong and they don't have a, nowadays they don't have a lot of similarities anymore. no i don't think it's as homogenous as people might have thought i don't think it ever was all that homogenous it, it maybe for a while maybe in the 50s or 60s but i don't think uh i think it's very divided I, I think that's all, always been the purpose. The people that run the United States have always kept it on edge and divided. It's always well, been the divided states of America in my mind. It's just not cohesive. At least it doesn't appear on the surface. Yeah, it used to be, I think, more cohesive. Mm-hmm. In my view, I'd say somewhere its most cohesive time was probably from about Let's say 1870 to about, as you say, maybe 1950 Mm -hmm. or late 50s, something like that. Yeah. That was the time for the U.S. And ever since then, it's been going downhill. The clown world is taking its toll. Yeah. Yeah, the best, do you read Vox Day? No, I don't. I think I talked to you about him before. Fox Day is um, a really good blogger, and I'll put him on the screen. He's the one that uses the word clown world over and over again, and he does a really good. 
analysis. Oh, Vox Populi. Okay. Yeah, his name, the blog is voxday.net. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that. He's really got it, got it nailed in in okay, many yeah, ways. So I'll put that in the show notes. Alrighty. And that way you can easily get it. All right. Well, I think we've been going about an hour and a half. That's pretty good. I get, I get yeah. tired. You probably get tired, and I, and I hope you see and everyone sees the use of these talks. And that is because you have such a large volume of material. There's just no way anyone can make easy sense of it. So it's good to have a bit of a navigator, and I'll even do my best. Yeah. Well, you know the material. You can highlight the material. You can kind of string a few videos and books together to make sense. So, mm-hmm. and talking about it, each one makes it more interesting as opposed to just starting off from scratch without knowing. So, that's really the purpose of our talks. Because, how many videos do you think you have of uh, Ernst? Uh, Thousands. Four or five hundred, at least. Yeah, so there's a lot there, plus ancillary ones that aren't done by Ernst but are relevant yes. to the conversation. And actually, I have a few mm-hmm. series, I think two series, or at least one series anyway, and some other videos that have never been even created yet. Okay, so, from who? Among everything else, now I, I have other stuff to actually finish off a lot of the stuff that had been started back then. So, so you you created these video series, but they were never rendered, or well, some of them were were shot and stuff mm-hmm. when I was away. Okay, and I didn't realize they existed mm-hmm. until recently. Okay, looking through the archives, I find these things. Okay, and I think I wasn't there. What is this? Okay, I look at it. And say, oh, is that what that is? Hey, amazing! You know, it's another uh, twelve. 12 episodes, uh, another Voice of Freedom shows okay. about, uh, about the United States, Germans in the United States. Okay. Is it based on a book called, what was it called? Oh, I forget the title offhand. Anyway, it was put out in 1916 or 1917 or something like that when the United States looked like it was going to get into the First World War against Germany, and Germans in the United States were starting to feel persecution and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they decided they're going to they, – a bunch of them got together, well-known people, people with money, and they made this book right, about mm-hmm. the German contribution to the United States. It, to talk about people and things, and like I said, it's going to be like a 12, 12 ep, half-hour episode series. As mm-hmm. Ernst talks about it, etc. So I have to make that one. It hasn't been made yet, ever. So it will be the first time ever seen. Oh, nice. Once I get around to it. We'll so. preview it on this channel, then. Hey, now that would be neat. Yeah, sure. We'll do a, we'll do a preview. Why not? Yeah, that means I better get with it, then. No well, more excuses. Gives you a goal. <laughs> as if I don't have enough to do, but hey, one more, what the heck, eh? Well, you gotta right you gotta there. prioritize. If it's important and it's not out there, then it's probably a good idea to uh I, I agree with you, yes. I totally agree. 
All right. Well, this has been very interesting as usual, and uh, I'm going to try and watch some of these videos a little more closely. I've been, um, what have I been looking at? Oh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm looking at another German. I don't know if you're following my video platform, FacoTube, or my blog, fakeologist.blog, or my forums, fakeologistforums.com, but I found another really, almost a a strange but interesting guy. He's a German Australian named Marcus Raybach. And that sounds a little familiar. He's he's very public. He's got his resume, everything out there. He wrote some books. And he has a BitChute channel. It's the strangest BitChute channel in the world because he'll he doesn't have money. He doesn't seem to have a regular he doesn't have internet. So he borrows the internet connection from a neighbor for a couple hours a day. Oh, yeah. And uploads wow. videos from his phone. And mm-hmm. then he takes his channel, he hides his BitChute channel. So he unhides his video, his BitChute channel, uploads his videos, and they're up for a couple hours. And then he hides his BitChute channel. So you can't watch anything. Why would he do that? Oh, because he doesn't have the connection. Okay. Well, no. I think he's worried. Once it's up there, it's up there. No, I think he's worried that it'll. I don't. I think he's worried it's going to be taken down. But what would the difference be? What's the point in uploading your videos if no one can watch them? I don't see why you would worry about BitChute taking something down. Didn't I know he's a little paranoid. Let's put it that way. And I even sent him an email, or put a comment on the blog, or on mm-hmm. on the BitChute saying, "Can you stop? Like, what happened? First, I said, "What happened to your channel?" And then he didn't respond, so I wrote to BitChute, and I said, what happened to this channel? It was up five minutes ago, now I can't get it. And Nate said he hid it. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was taken down by someone exterior to him, but he did. That. He took it down. And I said, why Why are you doing that? Because no one can watch your videos. I can't, I, I'll watch a video that's interesting, then I want to save it, but then I can't get to it because you hid the channel and the connection is broken. But anyway, so but outside of that, the reason I follow him is he's really got a good view on what these these hate laws are going to do to the free world. Ah, oh, very good. So he's speaking – see, the Holocaust, I don't get stuck in on the minutia of the Holocaust because I think now that they've – in Canada at least and many other Western nations, including Estonia where I think this guy lives – tell him because I know Australia is not cold right now but he's right. freezing all the time they're they're enacting all these laws so you cannot question the details of the Holocaust so he has pointed out that really what they're doing is criminalizing or enshrining into law dogma like the Catholic Church used to do so for instance if you spoke out against the flat earth whenever that was the official story, then they would put you in jail. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You couldn't question it. You just mm-hmm. went to jail because it was a criminal offense. So he's mm-hmm. he's warning everyone that um, when they criminalize questioning a an official story, then political speech becomes... Or opinion becomes illegal, so it's a criminal offense, and that's really what he's talking about. 
And that's really important because if that if, if it starts with that, it's just going to go one one thing after another. We all know that. You know what they say? They say that if you want to know who's ruling you, all you have to do is find out who you're not allowed to uh, to talk about. Yeah. But uh, but the but the main thing is it will be more than that if 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 political opinion or official stories become protected by law where you can't question them then they're really just enshrining religious dogma or dogma of the party into um criminal offenses this is what he's talking about basically it'll be the woke clown world where you can't you have to do what they tell you otherwise and say it's interesting right because down in the states etc you're looking at uh all the universities down there are woke, right? Mm-hmm. And anybody who isn't woke, basically they hound them out of the university. And that's with all the freedom of speech, all the freedom laws, everything they have, and yet this still goes on even without oppressive laws yet, right? Wait till the laws come in, it'll be even worse then as it is. So that was one thing that when uh, Trump was president, he did down there and he basically informed all the universities and colleges and stuff that were getting uh, federal money and stuff. he said if you don't allow freedom back in onto your campuses you know where everybody can have a talk anybody can have a say and do all these kind of things then we're just going to cut you off from funding mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know how that all worked out but uh, that was one of his uh one of his things that he he was uh, working on. So I thought that was a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have freedom, then let's have freedom. The United States, that's the one thing, if for nothing else, that certainly should be the one thing that they are famous for is the so-called First Amendment. And right. You should have freedom of speech, freedom to do all these things. And if you don't, then you're no different than anybody else. And I think that uh, he, as a major figure and other major figures, see that. Mm-hmm. that freedom and freedom of speech and stuff is the main thing. One person actually once said that take away all the freedoms you like from me, but as long as I have freedom of speech, I can get the other ones back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's how important freedom of speech is. Yeah. We, we don't actually have that in Canada. I don't think. No, we don't. Not as much as we used to. And even then it was never a hundred percent, but it was, a lot better than many other countries, like most European countries. The, the ones in Europe that had the best freedom of speech record was used to be mm-hmm. Britain, Denmark, and Belgium. Okay. Never Germany? Uh, uh, no. All the rest of them are all you. Their whole histories have been authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Right? And even though they call themselves democracies nowadays and stuff like that, be it Germany or France or whatever, they're not. <laughs> they're still authoritarian. Mm -hmm. so it is right but uh yeah so the importance of being able to speak your mind and investigate and tell people about what you find etc is a fundamental importance that if you lose that you pretty well lost everything amen all right so this is this is another interesting german guy that's on the fakeologist forums i've linked to that um, we're talking with John Robinson, and he has a BitChute channel that you should subscribe to and check out, and that's John Robinson 101. 
And, of course, in the show notes, I've linked to that. And also, if you want to sync all John's files to your computer automatically without downloading all these things, all these videos individually, it's way easier to sync them. And it, it works quite well. You don't have to sync them all. You can sync them one at a time. And those links are fake11.com forward slash zundel and fake11.com forward slash zundel2. Otherwise, just keep coming back to what I call the Zundelcast with John, and we will just keep highlighting different videos, talk about different stories, and uh, just follow along with what we show you and what John thinks are important videos to look at. There's so much material, and you're putting up a video almost every single day on your channel here. I try. And are you just put? How? What's your thought process? How do they? Are they just coming out sequentially? The uh, AVOF and other Voice of Freedom ones are coming out mm -hmm. uh, sequentially as I remaster them, and the other stuff is just like stuff about, uh, let's say, uh, Israel and things like that, like. Uh, Right there, McDonald, there, Kevin McDonald, and so on. Because of what's going on in the Middle East, I think that they are relevant, yeah. topical, relevant at this time. So I put them up, etc. And when I do, uh, like when I got up to AVUF 143, which was the interview with uh, Eric Hartman, the world's greatest fighter ace. Okay. Right? So I put that up. And I thought, well, okay, I put him up. So why don't I put up that other one? Uh, Fighter tactics. You know, it's a top five uh, German, what, five of the top German fighter aces of World War II have their say about, you know, about what was going on at the time and how they flew and what they did and how they became who they were. Except I thought that was then topical. Yeah. Being that one in 43 was up. So therefore, and there was this talk going around that David Irving was extremely ill and perhaps maybe even had passed away so I thought I'd put up that David Irving video that I had sitting there that I had remastered so I thought I'd put that up because of uh, people were talking about that but obviously he still he has not passed away otherwise we would all hear about it I'm sure no yeah apparently didn't hold, hold on we got uh, we got Jen on the line Biochar Jenna before we run away. Hold time. 21 seconds. All right. Hello, Jenna. Or Brian. Hey, can, can you hear me? This is Brian. Hi, Brian. How you doing? We're just trying to wrap up the show, so can you make it fast? Yeah, I'll just uh, read this little bit because your guest mentioned uh, CSIS. Uh, Fakeologist is CSIS, revelation of the method, externalization of the hierarchy, misdirection op. A.B. Errado, Tim, fakeologist, is Canadian CSIS. Like Macau, Alan Watt, Corbett, Molyneux. Where did you read that? Uh, in an email. Okay. I mean, high-level high United States, long-time military people we know all these people canadian security intelligence service uh your your guest mentioned it uh perhaps you need to have jenna on again 
so I don't want to get in the middle of your show, but its headquarters are located in Ottawa. Well, that's our capital. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you are, you enjoy uh, this Miles Mathis, but he's been saying for years that uh, this is an organization that you work for, and of course, you know, Jenna and I put two and two together, and if a guy worked at an airport and was able to transfer some pallets of a very precious uh, commodity from South America for the United States CIA, it, it quadruples in price when it gets to Canada because, uh, you know, we live just south of British Columbia. There's a Kelowna up there, uh, biggest drug-using per capita city. I mean, th- this is a long-standing situation. Canadians love their uh, little escape. And I'm wondering, uh, is this uh, got something to do with Lynn or Tell? Because uh, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but if on her LinkedIn page it says she worked for Lockheed Martin for years, uh, do they make uh, dishwashers or garbage disposals? I don't mm. think so. What do you, what are you getting at, Brian? <laughs> uh, we are interested in coming on your show in the future, but realistically, uh, you, the big tech lover. Uh, we're three months back. We said, why don't you prioritize Dr. Martin Paul from Washington State University, now living in Portland? We offered to set up the connections, and you said, I'll put him on the list. But, yeah, this uh, technological uh, shove it down your throat and see how it tastes, this is a huge aspect of the problems that are occurring in the world. And if, if you want to dismiss them as unimportant, that's great. But why don't you allow Dr. Paul to come on and, and you two can have a conversation? Okay, well, send me a link and I'll talk about it. Send me well, a link. We already, we already did, okay. but we'll do it again. No All problem. Right. Thanks, for, thanks for the time. All right, bye-bye. Oh, man, well, sometimes we get diverted and... <laughs> that had nothing to do with what we were talking about, but okay. At least he didn't bring up biochar this call. <laughs> <laughs> That's biochar, Brian and Jenna, down in uh, Walla Walla, Washington. All right, well, thanks a lot. No, I'm not part of CSIS. I know that's what um, Miles Mathis wrote once. No, we're not that sophisticated. Sorry. And I think for, you explained for it. You've been, for what you've been telling me about your life as a driver and so on, I would say that if you're working for CSIS, they're not paying you enough. No, and I'm no. It's it's. I think you explained CSIS better than anyone else has explained it to me. So uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll dig up that video and put it in the collab for you. All right, which one is that? Sorry, the uh, CSIS. Uh, oh yeah. To okay. My friend in Kitchener. Okay. All right. Perfect. And I'll wa- I'll watch that. That that sounds pretty good. Okay. And we'll play off with um, 
that video song, German soldier song, Erica. Right on. I've Erica. never heard of it, so we'll all listen to that and enjoy, and enjoy that. So we'll have you back. Maybe we'll come back in a couple of weeks. Does that sound good? Yeah, something like that, sure. And we'll just, uh, same time, Sunday is a good time, and you can gather some interesting videos and stories, and we've already gone an hour and a half. We're kind of over, so it doesn't take long to, to get yeah, the, that's for sure. It's time, time flies. There's so much to talk about, so much information, yep. but... Uh, Thank you very much uh, for joining. And we, well, that's a loud song. I can't even turn it down. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot for all the info. Okay. All right. Take care, care, everybody. And don't forget, uh, this is a value for value show. You pay whatever you think the show is worth. And um, it's fakeologist.com forward slash donate. And if you like this show, send me an email. If you don't like the show, you can call me and give me crap. Or, or send a, an email as well. But uh, no, we're not controlled opposition here. We're not CSIS. None of that. We just like to look at topics that are interesting to us uh, as long as they relate to the truth. So, And that Germany and Zundel and, uh, are topics that I find fascinating. And we're lucky that we have somebody who was right there and was right there when the, all this was going down. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. Tomorrow is All Shots Clot. Give me a call, and we'll talk about all vaccine injury and death as you witness it. And I'll play a couple vaccine, anti-vaccine videos. Yeah, I do believe that all shots do clot and cause damage, and that's what we talk about Mondays. It's a call-in show, so make sure you call in, and the phone lines will be open. All right. We'll play it out with German soldier's song, Erica. Take care. Good night.